This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, who's glad to be in the house of God tonight? It is good to be in the house of God. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord. And uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute, but man, what a blessing and what an honor it is to be called the sons and daughters of God. Who's happy about that right there? That's enough right there to say amen, that you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You belong in the family. You're allowed to eat at that table. You're allowed to show up, man. That's good news. That's good news. Well, if you've been following along on Sunday nights, we are in a, a series here uh, talking about the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the book of John. And so we've looked at a few of those already. First of all, we saw that, that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Remember that? And people were fighting over, over Jesus and, 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 and who he was. And, and they said, hey, our ancestors, Moses gave them bread from heaven. What can you do for us? And Jesus was like, please, I am the bread of life. That's what I am. And you're, you want bread from heaven? You want the manna? It, it went bad after one day, but here I am. If you'll eat of me, you'll never be hungry and thirsty again. I am the bread of life. And for them, it actually made the people really mad. Because they said, how could you be who you say you are when you're just, you're only 30 years old or whatever he was at that time? And he's like, I'll tell you something right here. Before Moses was ever even born, I am. And that's when Jesus threw that truth bomb out there. And he said, I was around before the man that you love, Moses. They got angry and they tried to kill Jesus. And a bunch of his, a lot of his followers, they, they left him. They just straight up left too. Because Jesus said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood or you can't get into the kingdom of heaven. And it made people really, really mad. But then Jesus turned to his 12 and said, okay, you guys going to join him? You going to leave too? And Peter spoke up and said, where would we even go? We've, we've staked our entire lives on the fact and, 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 the, and the truth that you are who you say you are. Where are we going to go? We've got nothing left. We left our homes. We left our money, our jobs. We've got nothing except you, Jesus. And I don't know about you. That's the boat that I'm in. If he's not real, then I've, I've got nothing left. And that's, and that's something that's not ever going to happen because he is real. I'm in a church and I just said Jesus is real. Not a single person said amen. I said Jesus is real tonight. Come on. <laughs> That's good news. He said, I am the bread of life. And then we looked last week where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. They were all fighting again. And Jesus said, hey, hold on. Time out. I am the light of the world. And that's that's a big, bold statement. But this week, we come to the third time that Jesus used this phrase again. And it's found in John chapter 10. And Jesus, again, he says something else. He says, I am the gate. And I want to show you that in John chapter 10. Now, now this is this is honestly, this is probably out of the seven statements. This is the one that takes the most digging to fully understand, because some of the other ones you can pretty much get the concept of what Jesus was saying. He says, I am the light of the world. Well, that's not that difficult to understand. He says, I am the good shepherd. We're going to study that next week. That's number four. That's not really that hard to wrap your mind around. But here we are in uh, John chapter 10. And we're going to look at verse 7. John 10, verse 7. I'll be in the NLT for most of the night here. John chapter 10. Verse 7, I'm going to read this verse and talk about it, then I'm going to read the entire context of it. But So Jesus is talking to these guys, and verse 7 it says, So he explained it to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. 
Now, this is very interesting to me because, again, some of the other statements, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's, I get that. That's real easy. But he says, I am the gate. The gate. What, what, what does that mean? And so, you know, I've, I've read this for years, and I've kind of taken it along the lines of the, the same thing as I am the way, the truth, and life. He's saying, hey, I'm the gate to heaven. And, and that is definitely one aspect of it. But as we study this out, you're going to see that there's a whole lot more to Jesus saying, I am the gate. Or, or some of your translations would say, I am the door. Well, that's a, uh, that's a good and accurate translation also. And, and they're both mean the same thing pretty much, but... He is the door. He is the gate. But I wanted to really find out what sets this statement apart from all the other ones. Why, why did he say this? Why did he say, I am the gate? That, I mean, that, 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 there's just, there's something hidden here that you're going to have to dig out. And so the first thing we're going to do is, I want to read, starting back at John chapter 10 and verse 1, and, and you know, Pastor this morning in his sermon, he said that there are things that are hidden in the Word of God, but it's not from believers, it's for believers. And sometimes, you've got to dig a little deeper than just the surface level, Right? Anybody? You know, I, I've read and I, and I watch these documentaries on Amazon all the time. But whenever they first found gold in California, you know, in the 1840s, gold up there in the Sacramento, it was so plenteous. It was insane. You could just walk along the river there and, and there's just gold nuggets, big chunks just laying on top of the ground. The first round was real easy pickings. You just come and, and, and dig it up. But after a while, all the surface level stuff, you, you, you grabbed most of that. But there was still a lot of gold in California. But the next group of guys, they had to dig a little bit deeper into the surface and they struck gold all over again. And what I'm saying is this. Sometimes maybe you've read a verse many, many times. Maybe you've read a book of the Bible many, many times. And some of the stuff you just pick up real easy. But there's still some gold there that you have never even tapped into. You're going to have to dig a little bit to get to it. And some people, they don't want to do that. Well, I've read that. I, I, they've preached on faith a thousand times over there at High Desert. They, they've talked about that. And, and, and listen, you don't know it all. You have, a, you have a not exhausted every ounce of truth that God put into that verse. There's, if you are that deep and that, and that all-knowing, then bravo to you. But for the rest of us, we got some digging to do because there's some truth in there that I haven't caught just yet. There's some gold that's going to change my life. But it's going to take some digging. It's going to take a little effort. It's going to take digging into the Word of God and finding out what's in there. Because there is treasure and gold that you will, I mean, we will never exhaust all of it. We will never find, I'll bet when we get to heaven, you'll be going over the Word of God up there. And you're like, oh my goodness, I I never saw that before. I know. Can you imagine sitting there with the Word Himself? I'm sitting, I mean, being right, right there at the feet of the gate. At the feet of the bread of life, sitting right there, shoulder to shoulder with the way, the truth and the life, the great I am just sitting right. Can you imagine the thing? How did I never see that in your word, Jesus? That are you sure that was there the whole time? He's going to say that was there, man. That was there and so much more. But you just got to dig a little bit deeper. And so, yes, Jesus said, I am the gate. Well, you could say, well, yeah, that he is the only entrance into heaven. Absolutely. But let's dig a little bit deeper here and learn a little bit about gates and doors and see what's going on. So John chapter 10, 
Let's rewind to verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 10 and stop right there. And everybody at High Desert Word Center knows what John 10.10 10 says. So you all know that verse. But let's see what leads us to that verse. Because we quote that nearly every day. But did you read the first nine verses? So here it is, John 10, starting at verse 1. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And I'm telling you, Jesus, he knows your name. He calls you by name. Amen. That's good news that he actually knows who we are. Verse four, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. Do you know the voice of the shepherd tonight? You know his voice. That's why that's how you know how to follow Jesus, because you're familiar with his voice. Verse five, they won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So what does that tell you about them right there? He's saying, my sheep know my voice. Well, these people, they're like, huh? What? I don't know what you're talking about right now. I guess evidently they weren't fully sheep or something because Jesus, he just said, my, they understand me. They know what I'm saying. They're like, we don't know what you're saying right now. I have no idea what he just, does anybody know what he just said? And so Jesus, he, he didn't get mad. He just explained a little bit further. Uh, starting here at verse seven, it says, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Who likes to have good pastures? Man, that's a nice thing. And, you know, in Psalm 23, it tells us about the Lord being our shepherd. He leads us beside peaceful waters, green grass, beautiful streams of water. It's nothing but peace. When you're in the Lord's pasture, when you're in his sheepfold, as it said. And so it says they come and go freely and they will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, or as we all know it, life and life more abundantly. And so here Jesus is. He says all this to them and they're still confused. He said, all right, hold, you're not getting it. I'm the gate. I am the gate. If someone else is trying to come in some other way, they're a thief and a robber. I am the gate. And so we're going to look at a couple of uh, meanings here of what it is for Jesus to be the door or the gate. And I want you to pay attention and listen up. And I believe that, that you're going to see some things tonight that you need to see for your life. And so the first thing I'm going to say is this. Number one, okay, I didn't do a PowerPoint. And we're, just, we're flowing here. So let's party like it's 1999 and take notes, okay? Can we do that? All right. So number one, a gate or a door is the proper way into the home. Come on. A gate or the door, that's how I get into my house. I, I go through the door. That's how I get in there. And so, listen to me. Whether people will admit it or not, whether they'll admit it or not, everybody wants the benefits that you have as a born-again, committed Christian and disciple of Jesus. 
There are people that are very jealous of you. They may not say that. They may not uh, know that they're straight up jealous. But when they look at your life and they see stability, they see somebody with peace, with the joy of the Lord, somebody that, that, that has a healthy family, a stable marriage, somebody that has uh, the, the, the things of this world. They're not chasing after them and killing people just to get another dollar. Listen, they may not say it or not, but there are people that want what you have. They don't want to go through the gate to get it, though. They want to dig a tunnel. They want to break through a window. They, they want to find some other way to get it, but they don't want to go through the gate or the door to get it. But they want what you have. One time, I was, Katie and I, we worked at Dish Network in Tulsa when we were in college there. That was a lot of fun. And so anyway, I'm answering calls and all this stuff, and Pastor Dave is not called to customer service. I'll just tell you that right now. Not my calling. You can call and yell at me on the phone, and all that's going to do is probably make me less inclined to want to bend over backwards to help you. But at the same time, that's what we did. And so I'm answering phone calls one day, and, you know, can I help you? My TV's broken. I want to kill you for it. Okay, for time out. Let's just, all right. And so anyway, so some one of my coworkers comes up and hands me a note, and, and he says, there is something different about you and Katie, and whatever it is that makes you different, I have to know what it is. Can you talk to me after work? And I'm like, <laughs> bingo, the fish just jumped into the boat, man. This is some easy fish in a day. Yeah. And so, of course, not. I'll tell you what's different, man. I ate the bread of life. I'm not hungry anymore. I'm not thirsty anymore. Listen, my path was dark, but I found the light of the world. He lit up my path. I'm telling you what, man, I didn't know how to get into the family, but then I went through the gate. I didn't say all those things, but you know what I'm saying. So here I am. Here I am. I didn't write this sermon back in 2006 or whatever that was. And so, but this guy says, there is something different. I want what you have. It wasn't my money he wanted because I didn't have any. It wasn't my beautiful house because I lived in the ghetto in a bad apartment. What was it that he wanted? It wasn't my food because I ate ramen every day. What did he want? He wanted to be in the family of God. He wanted the joy. He wanted the peace. He wanted the light of the world. And so, bam, instantly we hooked this dude up. I got him going to church and all sorts of stuff. But listen to me. There's something that you have, whether you realize it or not, that everybody else wants. But they don't, they don't want to go through the gate. They want to find the back door. They want to find, they want to find some cheater way to get in. And there is no, there's no shortcut. There's no cheater way to get into the sheepfold with the rest. There is only one way. And that's through the front gate. That's through the door. You know, I, I, there's, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's not. It's, it's really sad. But there is a, a, a movement across the world really started in England, of people starting atheist churches. They want church because, no, I'm serious, you can look it up. And, and, and I mean, it makes no sense. Why would you have a church that you, you know, that you didn't want God to be involved in at all? But, but atheists and everywhere, and I showed you a few weeks ago, study after study proves that committed Christians, on average, live much, much longer than people that don't go to church. I mean, that's not even debatable. Then that's not Christians making up those stats. There's tons of universities that have studied it, and Christians, born, true disciples, they live a lot longer. The marriage rate for people that are actual, true Christian, not you know, not the fakers, but people like you, the, the divorce rate is like five percent or less. I mean, it's it's insane. 
it is un, it's almost unreal, while the rest of the population, it's over 50%. There is just, it's undeniable what we have. It's incredible. And we're so used to this Christian life that, you know, it's just, it's, you know, we're so used to just having the joy and the peace of the Lord. And, and you know, we have rough days sometimes and whatnot. But overall, your life is a billion times better than everybody else around you, whether you realize it or not. And they see that and they want it. And so groups of atheists everywhere, there's one in L.A. and, 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 and uh, Nashville and different cities where they have an atheist church. They're like, we want what you guys have. But we don't want the God part of it. So it must be just because you all get together and have a good time. And so they get together. They sing inspirational songs like Lean on Me and uh, stupid stuff like that and Beatles songs. And then they, you know, they have some sort of encouraging, you know, hey, you know, let's just you should be nice to people, shouldn't you? And just stupid, you know, just lame stuff like that. But what I also found out is many of them, they, they close down really quick because. There's no God involved. They, 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 they see they're trying to get what you have, but they don't want to go through the gate. They want to get through it some other. They want your peace, but they want to get it their own way. Jesus said they're a thief and a robber. They're fake. They're not real. They, they, they want your joy. They want their marriage to be fixed. They want they want their healing. They want they want the things that you have. But they don't want to go through the gate. And Jesus said, there's one way, man. You're, you're a thief. You're a robber. You spot that from a mile away. Because there's only one proper way in. And that's through the door. Now, would it, wouldn't it be weird if you pull up to your house tonight after church and you get in there and you see somebody climbing through your neighbor's window? Would you say, oh, well, Bob's door must be broken. He's using the window now. No, your first thought would be, that surely must be a thief and a robber. Because it's not proper to climb through your window. You go through the door if you're actually supposed to be there. Or what if you saw somebody digging a tunnel through your neighbor's yard and, and they're trying to get in from underneath or, or they're on top of the house and they, you know, they've got, they're trying to saw a hole in the roof or something. My first thought would be, I don't think they belong there. There's, there's a there's a there's a right way to get into Bob's house and it's through his he always goes through the door that uh, he must be a thief and a robber. That doesn't make any sense at all. They don't belong there. And there and, 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 and that's what Jesus is saying. If somebody has to do all that to try to get in to the family, to try to get into the home, to try to get into, as the scripture calls it, the fold, the sheep fold. We're all in. Listen, people are out there staring in to the home, the, our home, the family of God. We're in here partying, having a good time. You know what I mean? Doing our thing. And they're like, I wish I had that. Just come through the door. You can have this. Come on through the door. Anybody's welcome, but you have to come through the door. You're not allowed to climb over. You're not allowed to dig under. You're not allowed to break in. You have to come the proper way or else you're not, you don't belong here. You come just like Jesus said through the gate, through the door. That's how you get the eternal that's how you get the things that we have there's one way and if you're trying to get these things any other way you surely must be a thief and a robber and you don't belong there and that's what Jesus was saying i want to show you something in hebrews chapter 4 hebrews 4 amen who's having a good time hebrews 4 and we're going to look at verse 16. But there's a right way in. 
There's the right way. Do you guys go through the door when you go home to your house? Any of you? Cl- Did you use the door? Okay. I'm taking a survey just to see if there's anybody. That, I know Nick doesn't. He he plows through walls. But if anybody, there, the rest of you, you use doors. Okay. All right. Good to know. <laughs> that's, that's a good way. That's a good way. A lot of people are doing that these days. Uh, but Hebrews 4 and verse 16. Now listen to me. And I said it earlier, but you belong in the household of God, don't you? Anybody, you, you know that, that, that you belong in the family of God. You're not some misfit. You're not, you're not just somebody that doesn't belong. Everybody, you guys, you're born again. You belong in the family of God. And in fact, you belong so much, you're allowed to just go on into to, to God the Father's throne room. You're allowed to go into his room and straight up talk to him. Oh man, man, that is huge. That is deep. That you, me, me, I, I can just straight up go in and talk to God directly. I don't got to find somebody that's holier. I don't have to find the priest or the preacher. Or I can just straight up, God, it is me, your son, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes. I don't have to have somebody else do it for me. That's, that's huge to be able to go directly to God. And so Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says this, So let us come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That is a beautiful verse right there. Because it says we can come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Man, I love that. And, and, and you know, that's how it should be with, uh, with children to their father. They should be able to come to their father directly and say, Dad, I need some help right now. Can you help me? Dad, I'm coming again. They shouldn't have to call and make an appointment. Like, hey, Jesse, I need to tell my dad something. Could you relate? Could you tell him for me? I need to ask my dad, Jesse, could you tell me? And and he he would do it, no doubt about it. But, But wouldn't that be pathetic if I wanted to talk to my own dad, but I had to have somebody else just go around and do it for me and, and you know, tell him, I, I realize how stupid I am. I realize how worthless I am. I realize that I'm the scum of the earth and I'm not worthy. But if you could just beg him for me to maybe help me out a little bit, that would be great. And that's how so many people, even modern day Christians, they feel about, they go to talk to God in prayer. God, it's me. I, I am nothing. I deserve nothing. I am lowly. I am worthless. Lord, I'm, I'm a zero. I'm nothing, God, but you're everything. And, and, and there is an element of truth to, of course, he's everything. And of course, on our own, we are nothing. But I'm not on my own. Because Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. And so on my own, I'm nothing. But thank God I'm not on my own. I'm with Jesus. Amen. And because I'm with Jesus, because he's my big brother, we can go directly to the father's room and talk to him and not have to be afraid, not have to beg, not have to cut ourselves and walk on coals and walk on glass and beat ourselves up just to make him happy with us. I don't have to do any of that garbage. I can go directly and boldly. And it says, hey, you'll receive his mercy and we will find grace to help when we need it the most. Have you ever needed grace and help in your life? 
I have, and I get to go directly to God the Father. Why? Why? Because I went through the gate. I didn't try to sneak in. I didn't try to break into heaven. I just went through the gate. I went through the door that Jesus is, and he let me right in. Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, you're in chapter 4. Flip up to chapter 10. It is good to be in the family of God. There are benefits. There are resources. There are things that God has for you that, that oh man, you, you'll never fully understand everything that God has for you. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Hebrews 10, verses 19 through 23. And, and it tells us this. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, say it with me, boldly enter heaven's most holy place because you are so stinking cool. No. Again, it's not. It's a, why can I boldly enter heaven's most holy place? Because of the blood of Jesus. Oh, man. Because of the blood of Jesus. The gate. The bread of life. The great I am. The light of the world. He spilled his blood. And he paid the price, man, for my sin. And because of that, I can go boldly in to heaven's most holy place. The most holy place. Not the medium grade level of holy. Not the, well, you can get into the lobby of heaven. I'm sure they wouldn't mind you hanging out in there. It's cold outside. No, I can go directly to the very most holy place. The, the most holy of holy places and talk to God. Because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, verse 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Man, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. On top of it all, God can be trusted to keep his promise. We can go boldly and with confidence right in to the presence of God. That is huge. Why can we do that? Because we entered into the kingdom through the door, through the gate. We didn't take some shortcut. We didn't try to cheat our way in there. We didn't try to work our way into heaven. We didn't try to buy our way in there. We just entered in through the gate. That's what Jesus said. I, I am the gate. You want in? You can come in, but you got to go through me. And that's what you have done. And because of it, you will never realize the blessings, the, the fullness of what it is. The Apostle Paul said, I pray that you'll be able to comprehend how great God's love is. But nobody could ever fully comprehend the love of God, according to Paul. He said, it, it, it's so great that nobody has a full grasp on it. Man, but all I know is that I've got it. And that God can be trusted to keep his promise. God doesn't say things and then lie. Because he's not human. Humans lie. Every human lies. But the scripture tells us God is not a man. That he should lie. And what that means is God is not a human being. So he doesn't lie. Boom. Here we are in the kingdom of God. You're in the sheepfold. You're part of the family. You're in the house. 
because you went through the door, you went through the gate. And so the door and the gate, that's the proper way to get into the household. But I want to tell you something else here about about gates and doors. And that's this is that a gate, a door, it keeps predators out. It's there for a reason. It keeps those out who are not supposed to be there. Now, you recall John 10 and verse 10, and Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly, or a rich and satisfying life. And so, do you realize that there is a thief? There is an enemy. There is an enemy, a predator, that, he, man, he, he's real, and he wants to chase you down. He wants to steal kill and destroy in your life but jesus said wait you you came through the gate anybody else that tries to come in as a thief and a robber but you came through the gate and so oftentimes we fall short in understanding some of these things in scripture because let's just get real none of us are sheep farmers are we i know it's hard to admit but you're gonna have to get real with yourself and just you're not you're not really a shepherd are you no, you're not. And, and, you know, and so the little bit I know about farming and ranching, it's not much, but I definitely don't fully understand what it meant to be a sheep herder in the first century in the Middle East. And so a lot of these illustrations that Jesus said, he's like, I am the gate. And instantly someone was like, oh, OK, I, yeah, I know what I know what that means. But us, we're like, OK, we probably maybe you picture a chain link fence with a gate. Maybe you picture like uh, the picket fence and, and a wooden gate. I don't know what it is you're picturing, but it's probably not truly what Jesus was describing back then. You see, back then, the shepherds, they moved the sheep from one pasture uh, to the next. And, and then they've got to constantly keep finding good green grass for them to eat and, and get healthy and, and fat. And, 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 and so they would move them around all the time. But what they would do is they would build makeshift or maybe temporary stone walls around they would get rocks and stones and they'd make a giant circular wall and they'd make it decently high and they would put the sheep in there for you know however long they were going to be in that spot but they would leave an opening and in that opening they didn't you know call the fence company and have them come and install some kind of it the shepherd himself at night would lay down in front of the opening and he would be the gate. And so if you want to get in through my sh- and, and eat my sheep, steal my sheep, you've got to get through me. I'm laying my life down. I'm going to lay there. And if you're a wolf, you're going to have to trip over me. You're going to have to get through me. But be prepared for a fight, because if I wake up and you're trying to mess with my sheep, I will kill you. Whether you're some sort of a, you know, a person that's trying to come and steal my sheep, whether you're a wolf that's trying to come and eat my sheep, the shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. And Jesus says that in just a few more verses in John chapter 10. But the shepherd himself was the gate. He didn't hire a gate. He didn't make one. He would lay down and he would be the gate. And Jesus says to all these guys, I'm talking to you about sheep people and you don't get it. There's, it says that they didn't understand. And Jesus explained it one more time. He says, okay, I am the gate. Anybody else that tries to come in, they're a thief and a robber. They have to be. 
Because if you belong here, you're going to go through the gate. But I know who's supposed to be in there with the sheep. I know. And I will lay my life down and I, I will fight. And you better realize that a shepherd, they, they would fight for their sheep, wouldn't they? Think about King David. He tells about it in 1 Samuel 17. But David, he was a shepherd as a teenage boy. And David cared so much for those sheep that he fought a bear with a stick. He fought lions, mountain lions, with rocks and sticks for sheep. I don't know about you, but they're sheep. I'm not going to fight a bear with a stick to save the life of a sheep. I'm going to toss the sheep, but I'm going to run, man. Are you kidding me? For a sheep? But shepherds don't see it that way. Shepherds see, no, this is my sheep, man. I have been given an obligation. I have been given a, a, a loyal duty. I have been given a calling to defend and protect this sheep. And if anybody comes, they've got to get through me. And don't you realize that you're in the sheepfold? And Jesus said, I am the gate. So Jesus said, listen, if that thief wants to come and steal, kill, and destroy, he's going to have to get through me. You don't, you don't get it. You're not getting it right. I'm sorry, but you're not understanding. That, that, that Jesus said, you are in the sheepfold. And I am the gate. I'd lay down my life for my sheep. You are right there. And the thief may be right on the outside of that wall. But Jesus, he's standing right there in the opening. He's saying, all right, give it your best shot, but you're going to have to get through me first. I'll die for these sheep. And then he did. Then he did die. But then he didn't stay dead. He came back from death. He defeated death. So we don't have to be afraid of that either. But Jesus is the gate. And he's laying right there. He's standing right there protecting you day and night from the enemy, from the wolf, from the thief that wants to come and destroy your life. When I, when I fully understood that a little bit more, I, that just did something for me because I picture me standing right there, surrounded by the glory of God on every side, the wall. And, and, and then here's Jesus himself standing right there saying, you got to get through me if you're going to get to them. And I'm telling you, the thief can't get through Jesus. He can't. He can't get through Jesus. And so, obviously, there's a lot of scripture that we could look at. I mean, instantly, hundreds of verses uh, started coming to my mind. But, but I want to look at Psalm 62. Psalm 62. Man, to realize that Jesus is the gate. That Jesus is the door. And he's not going to let the thief in. He's not going to let the enemy in. The only way the devil is going to steal, kill, and destroy me is if I'm stupid enough to leave the sheepfold. If I'm stupid enough to walk away from the rest of the sheep and the family. Now, the good news is, is that Jesus, he'll do his best to chase me down and get me back. Because he said, when he said, I'm the good shepherd, he said, I'll leave the 99 to chase the one. He'll chase me down. But listen, there's no way that the enemy can come and overtake me and destroy me if I'm being a good little sheep and eating the grass right where I'm supposed to be standing. I stay there, I'm golden. I'm safe. The enemy cannot get to me. He may huff and puff and, and yell threats from the other side of that little wall there, but he cannot get through the gate. He can't get through it. And so Psalm 62, 
We're going to look at verses 5 through 8, Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. And, and the book of Psalms, we know that David did not write all of the Psalms, but he wrote the, the biggest majority of them. Uh, and, and so Psalm 62 is a beautiful chapter to read. And the rest of the Psalms are because David was a shepherd. And so David understood what it was uh, to have the heart of a shepherd. But here we are, Psalm 62. This is one of the Psalms that David wrote. And verses 5 through 8, David says, Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Amen. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. There it is. Fortress. The fortress, that's what it is. That's what I'm talking about. When you are surrounded on every side by the glory of God, by the presence of God, by the angels of God, do you realize what it means when you're surrounded on every side like that? You're in a fortress, a safe place. And and David says, you're my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge. Those are beautiful words. Refuge and fortress. Those are beautiful words. If you're one of God's sheep, if you're one of his children, that means a lot to you. Now, the rest of the world, they'd read that and like big whoop. No, that's a huge deal to say that God is my refuge. You have got to break that barrier to get to me. And you're not going to be able to break that barrier because Jesus is the gate. And so he's my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. You can pour out your heart to God. And I feel like a lot of people, they don't fully do that. You can just sit there and pour out your heart to God. Why can you do that? Because he's your refuge. He's your shelter. He's your fortress. He's your father. He is everything. You can just pour out your heart to him. You can lay it all out there. And he'll listen. Man, and that's powerful that he is our fortress. Let's look at Psalm 91. Now, this is obviously, you all are familiar with Psalm 91. I mean, if you've been saved very long at all, you know about Psalm 91. It is one of, it's a powerful, powerful chapter of the Bible. And Psalm 91, interestingly enough, was actually written by Moses. And so Moses wrote a couple of the Psalms, and this is one of them, Psalm 91. And it's, Psalm 91 is just absolutely incredible. It would not hurt you at all to read this every day. Read it out loud. Read it over your kids. Teach it to your kids. Psalm 91 is absolutely awesome. But Psalm 91, verses 1 through 2, it says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, the the key word here being live. Live. Not visit. Not drive by and wave. Not every now and then stop by and send a shout out. No. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Because a lot of times, people, the rest of this chapter is just 
just stocked full of incredible promises. No evil will be able to come near your home. No plague will ever... And there's all these beautiful promises. And sometimes the casual Christian will hey, if this is true, then why do I have all these things happen to me? If this is true, I wouldn't know it. Because you don't live in the shelter of the Most High. You visit when you have time. You stop by. And, and But this, this is this is referring to people that live there. You stay within the sheepfold. You surround yourself with all the other little sheep. We eat together. We bow. We sing. You know, do cute little sheep things. It's adorable. But listen, this is talking to people that actually live there. You get out there on your own. There's wolves. There's lions, tigers, and bears. There's thieves. There's all sorts of bad things outside of the sheepfold. But as long as you stay in there, they've got to get through the gate. And so it says right here, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Do I have any Christians in the house tonight that you actually, you live there? That's, that's your address. Amen. That, that's, that's your ad. You may live on whatever street, but really you live in the shelter of the Most High. That's, that's your place. That's where you live. And then verse two says, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. There's that word again. He is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. Oh, that's beautiful. He is my God and I trust him. Man. And you gotta, you gotta read this whole thing, but I'm gonna skip down here to verse 9. Because here's more promises, more promises with conditions. Verse 9 it says, if you make the Lord your refuge. If. So that doesn't, it doesn't mean that God will force you to make Him your refuge. It's totally up to you if you want to come on through the door, come on through the gate, come on in and be with the rest of the sheep, come on in and be in the shelter. That's totally up to you. It says, if you make the Lord your refuge and if you make the most high your shelter, what will happen to you? Well, verse 10 says, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. Why? For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Those are some powerful promises right there. But notice it says no plague will come near your home. I love that because there's a lot of plagues in our world right now that, you know, and you may it may not be the bubonic plague or some health, plague, but there's a lot of plagues in our society that try to come and overtake you. Whether it be a financial plague, whether it be a, a, a health plague, whether it be a plague hitting your family. Well, divorce is above 50%. That's a plague, man. When 50% of the population is affected by something, that's a stinking plague. When 50%, when, when that high of the population is affected, it's a plague. But it says right here, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. If you make the Lord your refuge and if you make the Most High your shelter, how do you do that? You enter in through the gate. And once the gate's open, Jesus closes it back up. Then when the, when the, when the enemy tries to follow you on in, when the thief and the robber tries to follow you on in, they can't get in because they can't get through Jesus. And so, 
I'm going to look at one last verse tonight, and that's Zechariah 2.5. And I know you read Zechariah every day, so no doubt your Bible is going to fall right open to it. But Zechariah, it's towards the end of the Old Testament. Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 5. Now this is a powerful verse. Now this is the Lord promising the Jews when they got back to Jerusalem his protection and safety. But I'm in the family of God and I'm going to apply this to me. Okay, I am a son of Abraham now adopted, but I'm there. I am one. And here I am. Zechariah chapter two and verse five. And just imagine the Lord is saying this to you. Zechariah chapter two and verse five. This is a promise from God. So Jesus is the gate and God, the father promised that he's going to be the wall. And it says right here, the Lord says, then I myself will be a protective wall of fire. Come on. He said, I myself will be a protective wall of fire. A protective wall. Can you imagine a flaming wall surround? And it doesn't get burned up. It doesn't get consumed. But how do you get through a wall of fire? You don't. And the Lord said, I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Jerusalem, says the Lord, and I will be the glory inside the city. And so here you are. And I just imagine I'm going to put my name in there. I will be the Lord will be a protective wall of fire all around Pastor Dave. Jesus is at the gate. Good luck getting to me. Try your best. You can't do it. The Lord says, I myself will be a protective wall of fire around Gus. You want to get to that guy? You got to get through me. And it ain't happening. Around, oh, he's around Jesse. He's around Maxine. He's around all of us. A protective wall of fire. And Jesus himself is the gate. And so I want you to do me a favor, okay? All right? I'm about to close out. I'm about to close out. But I want you to do me a favor. What is the thief and the robber that's been trying to chase you down lately. Because he's there. The wolf, he hasn't died. He's still there. What is that little wolf that's been trying to absolutely kill, steal, and destroy in your life? Is it your finances? Is it your health? Is it your family? Is it depression? What is that little wolf? What is that little devil that's been chasing you around? You know what it is. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to picture that thing and I'm going to say, hey, you want to get to me? You've got to get through that wall of fire and you've got to get through the gate. Good luck because you're going to need it. And guess what? It's not going to work. You are not going to penetrate that wall. You are not going to get through the gate because you're a thief. You're a robber. You may try to get over that wall. You may try to dig underneath it. You may try to break through the window. But you can't get in. You are surely a thief and a robber. And Jesus is the gate. And he would lay down his life for me. He did lay down his life for me. And he's standing guard 24-7. And there's a wall of fire of God's glory surrounding me. And that's my residence. That's where I live. I live in the shelter of the Most High. You cannot touch me. You can't get through it. And that's what I want to, that's what I want you to tell the thief tomorrow when he shows up. When those thoughts show up, you resist it in the name of Jesus. And you say, no, absolutely not. 
Jesus said to me that he is the gate, that he is the door, and that, and that, he, that he's surrounding me with a wall of fire, that, that, that he's my fortress, he's my refuge, he is surrounding me on every side, and you cannot get through it. You can't get through him. You can't touch me. You can't touch me. Why? Because Jesus is the gate. He's the good shepherd. He's everything. And you better get a realization of what Jesus was saying right here. You've got to get this. In, you've got to get the revelation in your heart. And so that's what I'm praying for you tonight. You've got to realize that Jesus, he is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And tonight you've learned that he's the gate. You've got nothing to worry about because you're inside of the sheepfold and the thief cannot break through that wall. Amen. Let's go ahead and in there tonight and go ahead and stand up together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.